And ever since the York Catholic District School Board decided it would not be flying the pride flag, people have been irked, to say the least. That is compounded, perhaps, by the fact that then they turned around and tweeted out the image of the pride flag. And here's what they wrote. This is on Twitter. Happy Pride Month to our 2SLGBTQIA plus community and their loved ones. We love you. We see you. Uh, then it's a quote from uh, Pope Francis. We are all children of God and God loves us as we are and for the strength that each of us fights for our dignity. That's from Pope Francis, but that's the bulk of the tweet from York Catholic District School Board. All right, well, if you love them so much and you're tweeting out a picture of the flag, why don't you just raise the flag? This controversy only heaps on top of other controversies, and there's always been a certain portion of the population that would like to defund Catholic schools and have one united school system. We would save money and we wouldn't get into political issues like this. And, you know, then you get into all, you know, are there other schools that collect public funds and teach faith? No. John Tory tried to expand the program and it was the end of his provincial political career. So what is often argued when somebody says, you know what, we should get rid of Catholic schools is you can't. It's in the Constitution. It's too difficult. That's not actually entirely true. Uh, my next guest wrote an article five years ago and understands the issues. Samuel Troso is a University of Western Ontario professor of law and joins us now. Good morning, professor. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Okay, so what would be the mechanism? What would have to happen if uh, people, if there were a groundswell that we should uh, get rid of Catholic schools? Yeah, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of misunderstanding uh, about just how deeply embedded this is in the Constitution. Um, back in 1982, when the Charter came in, there were other amendments that were uh, that were put in, and one of the changes was to make it easier to amend certain parts of the Constitution. So this this section goes back to 1867. And basically, the, the, the law now says that the, 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 this provision can be amended by, res, by resolution of the provincial assembly, uh, followed by a resolution from the federal parliament, which is a much easier uh, amending process than what, what, what you generally need for, uh, for constitutional provisions. Uh, Quebec and Newfoundland have already invoked this clause, and uh, Ontario could do it simply by uh, an act of the legislature, followed by an act of the parliament. Okay, so that's the constitutional law of it, but I'm wondering, I, I can't, I have to imagine it's political dynamite. I mean, there are other things for a provincial government to worry about, or do you think there could be the critical mass one day? I think there already is the critical mass. I think uh, there have been a number of studies, there have been a number of polls over the years. Uh, it, I, I think the public would have a taste for this. I think that after what happened uh, in the Tory situation, which was actually going in the other direction, uh, the political parties in Ontario have just seen this as a third rail and are not willing to discuss to discuss it. But I think there are reasons, both both from a financial point of view, uh, uh, from a spatial point of view, from a land use point of view, and from a, from an equity human rights point of view, why this should be considered. Thank you very much for this. Good to hear from you. Okay, well, thank you for having me. That is Samuel Trousseau. He's University of Western Ontario Associate Professor of Law.